Welcome to the Ocrest podcast channel. Ocrest School in Vienna, Virginia challenges girls in grades 6 to 12 to develop character, faith, and leadership potential to thrive in college and throughout their lives. In this podcast, head of school, Dr. Mary T. Ortiz, shares a recent message that she delivered to both faculty and parents. She discusses the school's love for St. Joseph and his message about inspiring good work among men and women that ultimately allows for the development of one's gifts and talents that are in turn used to serve God and others. March 19th is a piece of St. Joseph. So like, as soon as I get into the new year, I'm like, okay, that's coming up. We have a lot of love for St. Joseph in the school. Um, I was thinking maybe because there are so few men in the school, I don't know. He's a wonderful man. He's very easy to work with. No. Um, he's just, he's just, no problem. We love our men of Ocrest, the few who are here. Um, but St. Joseph is he's just a favorite of us. He, the chapel is you know adorned with that commissioned painting. I can never say enough about that. Very specifically done for us. Um, with a young, a wonderful St. Joseph. Um, but so anyway, I was saying I was more, more aware of him. I'm trying to live this devotion that's called the Seven Sundays of St. Joseph. It's an old devotion in the church. And I personally love the idea of preparing for a party. That's kind of what it is. I mean, there's nothing like, oh, how neat. You have these like week by week. You know, anything you prepare for, you just like save for, you know, any on a human level or spiritual level. Um, and when I discovered this, I just thought it was neat. So every Sunday with that, you just meditate a little bit on, on St. Joseph and try to draw some lessons for your life um, in some way. And it's very rich. I highly recommend it's not heavy duty. Um, but anyway, so right up front, you realize I mean, he's St. Joseph the worker, right? He is, um, it's, you know, there's lots of things, but so I thought, work. Let's think about work a little bit. Um, so this is, again, with the faculty. Let's think about work, um, and let's think about how we, um, you know, for ourselves, obviously, but also how we are, what do we share with the girls about work? Um, so we start there. Um, and what we're, what we're trying to live, of course, that's an essential example is the first thing, but also, you know, just a thousand different ways of what we're trying to convey to the girls in their time here. So work is a way to develop one's gifts and talents, um, to give back to God what he's given us, um, and to make our contribution to our family and society. Like, so there's, it's just so packed, right? It's so rich and interesting, and there's so many things there. It is man's original vocation. It is not the punishment after the fall. A lot of people, some people can think that work is a punishment, the sweat of the brow is the punishment, but just work is, is work is not a punishment. It is our original vocation. It is how we, um, it's so beautiful, really. You really like ponder this, like how beautiful. Um, so really key. And so a simple way of saying this, and we're looking for ways to say this to the girls along the way, right, is we make, we want to make a gift of our work to God and to others. Like how neat, everything we do, you know, and really everything we do is kind of work, but it's, it's a gift. The motive behind what we do is love. Um, it's gratitude to God, and I also always bring it, as we know, and gratitude to your, your parents. I love saying that to the girls, like your parents had given you, I mean, given you everything, given you life, given you the gift of faith, they've also given you one of the biggest 
greatest gifts you could ever get in your life, which is a wonderful education. And, and sacrificially giving you this. Like, it's like, and you know these things like sink in. You know that there's, there may be absolutely no external <laughs> sign that they have, but um, I always think of John Paul II. Someone said about him, he threw, he cast seeds even if he thought there was only, perhaps only a quarter inch of fertile ground. Like, he just was like, I mean, he had a youth rally, I think, in, um, and in like Turkey. I mean, it, it was like mostly Muslim young people. And he's out there, like, I just picture him, like, I'm saying the truth. I'm like, just cast your seeds as a human person. So anyway, it kept it, it's, it's, I love saying that to your parents. Gratitude to God, gratitude to your parents. And the motive is also a sense of responsibility, right? It makes our work meaningful. It makes it, us happy to do it. Um, and it really drives, it is the best drive for our desire to improve. I mean, love is, drives people to do the best. It's just like, no, right? Whatever it drives people to do extraordinary things. Um, you could probably sit there thinking about things that you've um, And it, it also is the best, you know, it's the best drive for excellence. Other things will peter out. Um, ego doesn't last that long, vanity, all those things, they eventually like, you peter out. But if you want to see somebody who keeps running and keeps going, it's the one who has the deepest motive of, of love, love for God, love for others. And this message, I mean, I'm giving you the big prayer, but it resonates with young, generous hearts, which is our audience. These are the formative years, these are the years where they think, I mean, the, the generosity of it's there. It's just like developmentally and spiritually there to grab the best, the highest and best messages um, and the truth, right? So, and you remember that, like the aspiration of young people, I want to change the world. Um, and then the, their funny way of like, I don't want to change I don't want just a job. You know, I want to change the world, and that's good, right? So what we're teaching them is, yes, we want you to change the world, and you can change the world with just a job. Like, you're gonna get this now, but we're going in that direction. And um, so that's the underpinning, right? And work is any worthy task. Um, we can't, we can sanctify any worthy task. We can't sanctify something that is immoral. So like, you can't be a professional pickpocket. Like, it's just not gonna do it. You can't do, you can't do non-ethical things, as I bet you everything else that's, you know, it's everything. And it's, for the girls, for all, I mean, it's, it's, there's, well, I guess that's their study now, it's their preparation, um, but it's, it's running a family, it's, you know, everything, um, from whatever profession, so it's, it's really, and, and what makes one job better, this is the spirit of the state, what makes one's job better than another is the love that's going to it. It's the love of God and the love of others. It is not the title, it is not whatever. So, right. So our task, when you think about this, right, parents, educators, in formative years, is helping the girls in very, very practical ways to acquire the habits that's going to, that are gonna help them actualize their potential to make the best gift of their work. Um, that's key. So the girls, we'll talk about it's true, their professional work of the girls is to be a student um, now. And it is, what we're doing is, you know, they're forming themselves in these years through the habits they're acquiring to be a certain kind of professional. 
right? And you know people that say, we're not raising children, you know, we're raising adults. Like, we're not raising students in the way, we're, we're not raising apprentices, we're raising professionals. Um, and the this period in their life, of course, is essential for training. Um, and the, these, their actions and their habits are gradually forming their identity, right? The choices that they're making, that it gradually forms who you are um, as a professional, as a, as a worker, you know, who you are, the habits that you require. These good habits, the virtues, right? It's really beautiful. The, this is helping them become what we all want, is the author of their own actions. They're learning to use their freedom. It's necessary, right? Um, and the habits, so a key point is the habits are more important than the succession, success or failure, right? It's a hard mentality to have sometimes, because it's just, but keep thinking, I mean, that, and the faculty, the mentors, like the habits, the work ethic, the vision, that's what we're forming primarily in the I think we can all agree, you know, we've been, you know, further down the line. Um, it's really a short-sighted vision to folk, for any of, for us, the girls are more short-sighted than we are. We can understand that. Because we don't want to be short-sighted. We don't want to be on the product, on the, you know, the 4.0, the, I mean, we want them to strive for excellence, but the short term. You miss, we miss the big, they say the big picture. This is the training of, of virtues. And it's in, in, in vision of the kind of person I want to be in the kind of so the biggest struggle, so they just want these this is again picture the faculty, you know, sharing this with the faculty, the habits, um, the vision. This is these are the years of training. Yes, we all agree with that. Um, but the tricky part is freedom. Freedom is always tricky. And I was thinking to myself, like sometimes you're like, why don't we just get rid of freedom? As <laughs> we I'm sure I'm, it, it would just like a lot easier. Um, and sometimes you're like, yeah, and you think about like God. There's a great poem that I did bring. It's by Charles Coquille, a French poet, and I think it's called Freedom. I highly recommend it. I don't know French, so I've only read it in English. But it's God speaking about freedom, and it's God in the person of a father who's teaching his son how to swim. It's wonderful. It's short, but he's like, I'm, I'm in. I have a dilemma. I want to hold him up so he doesn't swallow too much water. But he's never going to learn how to swim. So this is my grace. This is God. And God's like, this is the whole problem with these people. Is and he says their whole thing is, I want them to love, and you can't love without freedom. So he's like, that's my problem, God. You know, and it's just great. So the the big thing is we can never lose freedom, as painful and risky as it is, because if we lose freedom, we lose love. And, and then you're really lost. So if you give up freedom, you, it's a lot easier for control, for peace, for false security, false peace. You will have lost the battle because you have, we have to reach the heart. We have to, re we, we have, to have people who internal, I mean, internalize things when they're alone. You know the classic thing they say, character is what you have when you're bankrupt. <laughs> when you have nothing else, it's who you are. Freedom is what forms who you are. It's when your parents aren't there. It's when there isn't a clear rule in front of you. Right? It's like it's really scary, but that's what you draw on, and it is molded. I mean, it's shaped through 
the hard business of, of shaping them to see the good, what is rationally understand what the good is, to engage their heart and their will to, to go for it over time. And it's really fascinating. But anyway, this freedom. So here we are, where they focus now on the girls. They've got freedom. They don't have a lot of judgment. They're not supposed to. I mean, they have judgment, but it's a little shaky and it's supposed to be in these years. They haven't formed that part. So they're going to have to struggle. So I think we put ourselves in, a, in a, like, and here we are guiding. And as I said, as the parent, as the girls start to grow in the use of their freedom, we take a position beside them. Kind of like, kind of like that, like walking. You know, you're not, um, you're not holding them. You're not necessarily holding their hand. You're not walking like in front of them, fending off things like the snow pile parent or whatever. You're not. You are actually more and more beside them, which is very beautiful because that is the path of being a life. That is friendship. I mean, with your children, which may seem unimaginable at certain times, but maybe it doesn't to you. But sometimes it can. But it's that's so beautiful. What a, what a beautiful gift. And that's the way it's going to be. You want for their life. Um, but anyway, you're beside them. So two things that are hard when they focus the biggest struggles with the girls and young people and people is having them. How do they accept failure, criticism, misfires? Number one, and then helping them accept limits. Right. So these can be the tricky things, right? Because again, freedom when it's used, when everything's going great, everybody loves it. When it's off, everybody's like, well. Um, but the biggest struggles, so I thought. And that's true for us as teachers, too, like helping the girls accept criticism, I'm just criticizing failure, you know, whatever. And then limits. There need to be limits. Um, so, so the first, let me go with the first. Uh, or we go with both of them. And there's the, part, the difficult part is there's a lot of emotion around these experiences, right? And so we all we know that, right? These are the years of tumultuous emotion. Um, and I just think about this failure, you know, the first attention, um, a lower grade, um, a limit. I mean, if you think about limits, and this is a, a great writer said, set limits with everything. So this is what over-exuberant teenage brains cannot do for themselves. I don't know. So we're in the business of, I mean, not, you know, like limits of moderation, of prudence, right? And that can buck against, as we know, just think about that, you know. Um, in the classroom, in, in homework, in family life, right, failure, difficulties, limits, and then this tremendous, sometimes, dealing with emotions. So, um, and we are all tempted, and it's difficult to take things personally. Um, I remember somebody, it's such a great line, somebody said to me, I love this line, it's like, about something, to, please don't take it personally, I'm like, I don't know, I just thought, I'm like, I'm a person. How <laughs> am a person take this? I mean, I do take this. Like, and sometimes it is like, I do take this, I mean, not like me, myself, but I have put my entire self into this. Like, you know, I've had to think about this. Like, this really, I mean, I'm not saying that I've said all of this out, but I've thought about it. Like, I am personally very invested. I think it is absolutely fine to use my personally suffering. You know, you wouldn't want it otherwise. Now, of course, we have to, you know, but I mean, we have to, we, have, we ourselves have to work through the emotions, right? But, so don't take things personally, like, try not to take it personally, and the girls are learning that. 
Um, or you might be tempted to soften the limits because, as we know, young people can be like they're suddenly, when, they, when they're rational, they're hyper-rational and they're quite formidable. Um, but anyway, so learning to fail, learning to set limits, are, they're, but they're very important for teenagers. Um, they're very, very important. It's part of the training, right? It's part of the years of training, remember this. Um, and I was saying, we are the best coaches because it's really hard for us. I mean, and we're dealing with this a lot in our lives, I would think. Again, we're, we're not removed from this. It's always hard to fail. I don't know anybody who's like, I'm done with that. It's great. I love it. It's easy. It's, yeah, I think it, it's not that it's just always hard to fail. Or it's, hard to, it's hard to take criticism. Even the most noble criticism given in great love and charity is can be very difficult. And then uh, the limits are very hard, especially in a culture that's just kind of lost a lot of sense of that. Okay, so let me hone in to, to kind of bring this in, bring shift into Harvard. Um, I think these are things that we've found helpful and taught to teachers as, as, again, guides of the growing freedom of, of, our, of the girls who are in their training years. What are some good things? And you know them and I'm affirming. If you're in thinking, good, yes, um, great. The first is, again, deal first with the emotion. Um, and I think this is a benefit that we have now from like psychology and neuroscience. You know, some of us were brought up when, in a different time. I, I thought it was brought up in the last century. I think it was. I was in the, 19, in the 1900s. Um, I realized that I said emotions were not, or things on our Anglo background or whatever that means. Emotions were really, they not as real as these are gross generalizations, but you know, a little bit more stoic. Um, and there's some good things to that, for sure. But I think, I do think the benefit of, you know, we've learned is like to learn to work with the fact, which is say Christian anthropology, emotions are part, God made us that way. They are part of who we are. And this is really beautiful. They can help us tremendously. Or they can hurt us. They really are neutral. And we want to harness them because they are so part of that, that we are. And an example is um, one writer said when um, like the, the emotion of anger is united to reason, it's called righteous anger. And it, that emotion can be helpful. It's a really good thing. You've ever seen righteous anger, like something that's truly wrong and that needs to be countered. It is beautiful. It's powerful. I heard my dad approach righteous anger. He had a strong temper. He was half Spanish and half Irish. So he had a way to like He's like, it's pretty. Um, but he really, he, he, that was a strong point for him, his, his anger. But often it was united to reason. I will give you that credit. Um, and you're like, you, you know, again, that's like a really, so it is there a bit, right? Emotions. But um, we want to move the person out of the jungle of emotions toward reason. And there's a little article that's, um, and this writer said, it's called the glitter, I mean, she calls it the glitter jar. And I want you to add, she basically, this woman, um, she said she would take a jar of water 
with glitter. Remember the snow, the snow things, snow globes? They make a snow globe and shake it up. And um, she said she just, it's a glitter storm. And then she would place the jar. This is when she was talking to, this is this boy and girls, which she's saying, say, this is your brain right now. Let's settle with glitter. I, I don't necessarily recommend doing this. I would be very offended if I was to find a child or somebody who said, <laughs> but um, still, the idea, you get the idea. It is really what's going on. Um, and she said, you know, when teenagers become upset, their new high octane emotional structures can overpower their yet to be upgraded reasoning capacities, crashing the entire system until it has a chance to be That's really what we're talking about, right? Um, and she said, I've recommended this thing. You know, um, and I think it's really nice to adults who are caught with this, be patient, communicate your confidence that emotions almost always rise, swirl, and settle all by themselves. So she does recommend not a head-on um, reaction, as though, like, the psychological distress, it's not a fire that needs to be put out. It actually can kind of, like, frighten And I think we've all misfired at different moments, coming in with rational, power, firepower, in a moment when actually the emotions, it's fine, it's just need to be settled. They will settle. So it's um, really good. So get them, help them toward rational thinking. A teacher here teaches juniors and seniors, who is brilliant, and always was giving a talk to uh, new teachers last summer. And she, she kind of gave an example of it. She said, when I have a junior in front of me um, who is over God because it's junior year, and, and he will say to me, you know, I just, I come up with tears and say, I just fell asleep. I don't have the paper. I just don't have the paper. I just, so this teacher, this background, she said, she just did it beautifully. This, and very short, it's not a long process, but she has a lot to do, right? And she's like, okay, really. She'll say something, I mean, I don't know what she said, like, I'm sure that was tough. I know you always get what you want from me. I know your work is really important to you. And I know, I know, I'm sure it's very hard for you. And she'll say, um, we thought of kind of, what's the point? Um, and she's walking this team, you know, and that's, that's tough when you've dealt with a 16-year-old old rock. Okay, and if you feel a habit, I feel like walk with you. So it's very, it's We had an alum one time speak, uh, she's a wonderful woman. And she was just sharing different things. And she said, when I was in high school at Oakcrest, and I would confront my mother with something, you know, catch her off, whatever. She said, my mother was in the habit of saying, like, let me think about it. And she said, my mom would also say, I love it. She'd say, I want to pray about that. I just want to pray about that. And, and she knew that her mother prayed. And, uh, and she said, you know, that, like, stayed, that's a state with her. That, um, like, that comment, like, it's a quiet thing, like, we, Whatever you say in the moment, you're like, it just goes through you. My mother is going to consult with somebody very important about this. And just, that just serenity. I mean, maybe she didn't show it. And I just remember her thinking, I was like, gosh, this is like, she's like four years with Steve. So that's deal with the emotions. We're going to talk about having the music of freedom. Second is your strength must be in the reasons. Strength must be in the reason, not in the emotion not in the control, not in the power, right? It's, which is a challenge to us. We need reasons, and we, how do we get them? We need to reflect. 
um, it's really important and it's good, right? And I love this line, it said, experience is not acquired through life, but through reflecting on life. We all have knowledge and we all have experience. Do we reflect? Do experience, again, it's not just, I've been through things. Um, and we have been through many things, but we reflect on those things. So again, just a call to the importance of reflection. How do I get better reasons? Reflection, reading. I mean, always have a deep book on hand. Um, and you don't have to finish it. You don't have to finish books. Uh, I was thinking, that I'm, I'm, not a big, I'm not a drinker at all, but I was like, maybe you could nurse it like a good drink, or you just walk around with a little drink, you know, nurse, nurse those things and have them. Because they really, you want to form them, you want to have strong reasons. They can be simple, but when you're facing it, um, you know, a teenager, and the te I listen to the teachers here, and I'm always out of line. Because they're doing this every day, every, you know, five, six year periods a day. Like, why do we have to have that test tomorrow instead of Wednesday? I mean, it's there, you should see the experts, are there, they're used to it. They're, they're not, and they're working in this way. Well, we're going to have it on Wednesday because six people were out yesterday. I'm just making this up, you know, I mean, six people were out yesterday. Um, and it gives them, it gives them a chance. I mean, then they're going to tie it to something like we are actually holding. I, I know they're going as deep as they can, simple but deep. So reasons, they have to be strong um, and, and deep. And they and they Someone said, an author said, it's very important. Young people have a very, they're very sensitive to justice, as we know, and sometimes we've been on the wrong. I was like, I, I never want to be judged on a young person. I haven't entirely learned empathy um, sometimes, but they're very sensitive, and that's good. It actually is very good. We all want to be sensitive to justice and the good name of others. So we can gain authority by, and we want that. We want to show respect for freedom of others. Like, we're giving reasons. We're not comparing. We're saying this is good for you. We're not looking at others. But it's very good to be, try, I mean, we want to be fair and balanced. Um, and this author said, uh, you know, it's important that we show respect for the freedom of others, like in the way we're delivering things. I mean, because we, we actually do respect the freedom of others, but that we show it, and we show it by, and I love this, an open and moderate way of expressing one's own opinions. I love that. Knowing how to listen. Always valuing, valuing the opinions of others. Speaking respectfully about everyone. And even those who are we don't agree with, who have actually sometimes not acted very well toward us or toward institutions who we love, but we, we hold that standard, right? Always speaking respectfully about everyone and always speaking well. Or speaking respectfully about everyone and always speaking well with friends and acquaintances. And this this is part of the atmosphere that we're creating. Like we're, our strength is in the reasons, and the way we deliver the reasons is in a particular way, which is really great. It really helps us, because again, we, we, we are in a position of authority. We're helping them deal with failure, with difficulties. We're helping them deal with um, limits that, we, that seem, to be, seem to be difficult for their, they need to test authority. And my last is believe, always believe, and realize that affection, and cherry and affection is it, like all we need in formation and education. So, um, and I, I love that. Um, a mom said to somebody here, 
her daughter went through some prickly years, let's say, and this and the, this is a beautiful. This mentor said to the mom, "Like what? This girl is a beautiful girl, and she always has been. She's spectacular." And they had this moment that this teacher said, and the mom said, "I know you're going to ask me what happened. Like what did you do?" And she's just like blossoming. Awesome. She's like, and the mom said, "You know, we basically hugged her. We hugged her a lot through that. And I'm just like, okay, so it's, so these are excellent parents. But I'm sure they." Also cried and fought and had to do the whole time. But this affection, which teenagers will convince you that they don't need, and they certainly don't need any, you come in every way you can um, to get that across because it's like it is very, very important for them. It's like nutrients. And part of it is this affection is, is trusting. Um, a great pedagogical principle, as you know, is do not lose your trust. And you should, you can. When you, it is better to be to lose some of the things along the way. I don't mean big things, but like okay, maybe that wasn't exactly the truth there. Maybe that was a little sugar-coated. But if you, you'll know it, your parental grace will show you. We, we've got to keep the trust, um, and it's really beautiful. Anyway, this is this obvious, and we show our love by believing in others, not only believing them. Believing what they say, which is of course necessary, but believing in them, and I love this, in their capacity to be saints, to improve, to acquire that virtue we've talked about with them, to change in that area which is so difficult for them, to carry out that task which discourages them because they do not know how to face it. This is a basic educational principle. If an educator does not believe in someone, he transmits insecurity and frustration. But when someone perceives that, the other, that others believe in him, he gives the best of himself. His confidence in the good intentions and capacities of others is not naive optimism. It does not ignore the need for grace, time, and effort, but it believes and helps others believe in the effectiveness of putting these resources into play. And of course, this is something that cannot be feigned. The other person, sometimes without knowing how to explain it, knows if trust exists and if it is sincere. And this is very, very key. Um, and two, we can always make up, too. Right? I mean, sometimes we feel like, OK, we've, it's, it's gone down, the trust, or something. We, if we want it and we see it as a good, we can always use the means. We can pray. We can we can apologize. We can repair. But we we never want to get too like we just never want to damage that. So that's that's really really important. And it's so beautiful. Um, and again, you look back in your life and you and you laugh. I won't tell bad stories about my brothers. I usually like to, but I know some of you know my my brothers. <laughs> and um, I feel like you're. But my dad did me laugh about something because he asked them a question. They were in trouble. Actually, I'll tell you a little. I won't tell you the details. They were in trouble, and the parent was coming over to talk to my parents. And they're boys. They're high school boys. They're very dumb. And um, so the parent and my dad said, "Mrs. So and So is coming, and I want you to look me up, look me in the eye, and tell me the truth." And they said later, we looked him in the eye. And we didn't tell them the truth. And my father said, they laughed at me. My dad, whatever, he did what he did. And they did laugh. 
Definitely, my father claimed later, I knew they were not doing <laughs> which we all know about. I mean, it was whatever, but the, and the guilt, the guilt was excellent for them. It really worked on them. They felt really bad, and they shouldn't have. So anyway, but he didn't, he said, I'm going to go to that I'm going to go to that And that was like terrible for them, because let that feel Um So, but believe in them, whatever. So, finish. Um, oh, my bonus point is prayer. I will always be. Prayer is what allows us to let go of control, believe it or not, and not, not control the outcome, which is really the secret to a lot of this. Is it, it's, I don't, I don't know if humans can do it without grace. Um, Edith Schneider talked about this, like, you really put it in front of God. You really say, I leave the outcome in your hands. You made this person, you know, especially, you know, and we then we are more relaxed, we listen better, we get better answers. I mean, on, some, on all of this stuff. We do not get better answers that tighter me, like, I got it, I got all the points, I'm gonna, I, you know, it's tight as a drum, and I'm, we're gonna win this thing. <laughs> you know, it's, you're dealing with a free human being, you're dealing with a mystery, and you're dealing with a So that's a tip, is always prayer, um, really, it'll help you give the give you the big picture and give you the insights. So the summary is the rocky, adventurous years um, of these of using again using one freedom using one's freedom. The, the training ground, the habits are more important and will serve for the life, you know, for their life, not the outcome, right? Um, and we also have to, you know, our, when, it, when it gets tough, it usually gets tough with like failure, criticism, or again, I don't want limits. I don't, you know, on it, on lots of things, I don't, whatever. Um, and, but it is the surest foundation. This is the foundation. These are the foundational years. And we see the beauty. I mean, it's really astonishing how the girls grow so well in this. Um, the one tip with limits, I read from this author, and I shared it with the teachers, I always forget this. It said, this author said, um, with limits, especially with sleep, and I always want to say that, so there's not a single part of a teenager's life that's not adversely affected by a lack of sleep. Um, I always forget that. I, and I would say, I think it is more, diff I don't, I'm not working with boys, I don't know how boys deal with the lack of sleep, but girls do not do and I don't know if it's a more, we have a more emotionally, like we have a fine-tuned emotional system that, I mean, it's fine or fine-tuned, but I think it's been out there that it's part of women. Not to say that when there are times when women cannot get sleep because of raising babies, I'm sure like God provides for that, but just the, like just not getting sleep for, for no good reason, let's put it that way. Um, it's just not good. So a lot of, we had a nurse speak to the girls one time, the seniors. I just told some of them yesterday, and she said, you know, when you're going to college, if it's 4 o'clock on a Friday afternoon and you're weeping in your dorm room, she was like, ask yourself first, not like, should I transfer or should I whatever say, you know, have I eaten? This sounds basic. Have I slept? Before you, I mean, you can call your mom, but you just like check on your, your well-being. But so limits with sleep, especially I'm talking about the high school girls, really, really important. We hope you enjoyed this podcast from Oakcrest School. To subscribe to our podcast channel, visit oakcrest.org.